Welcome to the Motor City Hoops Podcast, your home for all things Detroit Pistons and NBA. Thank you for choosing Motor City Hoops, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, Hoopheads, once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads Podcast Network for even more great basketball content. Welcome to episode 39 of the Motor City Hoops Podcast. On today's episode, I have a big time guest for you guys. Matt Derry from the Pistons Pod and Locked On Lions joins me for a reaction, recap, and analysis from Thursday night's NBA draft. Matt, thank you so much for joining me. What's up, Bryce? Anytime, my friend. Uh, good to talk to you. Absolutely, man. I really appreciate you coming on. I reached out a couple weeks ago. We've been able to make it work, and I'm excited that this is when we were able to make it work the day after the draft. So for all the listeners, we're going to dive into the Pistons draft night, spend a little time talking about the Detroit Lions, of course. But before we get into any of that, I want to ask you something. Listening to your podcast, Matt, reading your tweets, I've heard you describe getting the number one pick with some of these words, fun, refreshing, rewarded, huge. Can you just speak to what it meant for the Pistons organization and the city of Detroit to get the number one pick? Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I think that uh, it is exciting and it is fun and refreshing and all those things because I think, as we know, living here in the Motor City, um, and you've touched on it on some of your shows, I mean, it's it's been tough. It's been the doldrums, man. You know, the Lions are, are a full-fledged rebuild now. The Pistons are in this second year of what, you know, Troy Weaver is called the Restore. Um, the Tigers are, what, four or five years into their rebuild. And I know that a lot of the Detroit media just loves this team, but I don't think they're very good. And uh, the Red Wings, you know, while Steve Eiserman is the guy, who on the ice are you excited about? Not a lot of people. So it's been tough. So to, to finally get the ping pong balls to bounce their way and to get a guy like Cade Cunningham is exciting. And, and, the kid can play, and he might be a you know a star. I don't know about right away, but just that guy that you can lean on and get excited about. And there have been some exciting guys the last few years, and you know Akil Badu, I, I I think is exciting for the Tigers, but that's you know, that's a random baseball player. There was a Rule Five guy that could flame out next year. Cade Cunningham to me looks the part, and uh, for the Pistons to be in the spotlight, to get a lot of attention, to have the number one pick. Uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's what I, the word I've used over the last, I don't know how many ever months since we've started to see Troy Weaver's vision play out as hope. Like, I just feel like there's a lot of hope around this organization and what the Pistons can do and a lot of belief in Troy Weaver. And so you brought up Cade Cunningham. That's what that's who people want to talk about right now and rightfully so. I have a question before we get into some other stuff about Cade. You know this way more than me, Matt. You cover the Lions. You're, you're, I'm not a huge baseball or hockey guy, so you follow those things a lot more. Is Cade Cunningham this morning, Friday morning, July 30th, is he the face of Detroit sports? Wow, that's like a 97 on the ticket uh, uh, <laughs> summer topic question. Um, you know, I think that, um, oh gosh, I mean, the face of Detroit sports. Uh, well, I mean, right now, I guess, yeah, I mean, who, you know, I, I think people would tell you that, that the hope was that right now, by this time, Dylan Larkin would have been. But he's been a disappointment. And he's a local guy and he's the captain of the wings. And that carrying that C on your chest with the wing wheel is a pretty big deal around here. But, you know, the, the, the number one team in town is the Lions. Who's really the face of the Lions? Uh, 
Jared Goff. He just got here. No one's seen him in a uniform yet. TJ Hawkinson. Um, so, you know, you can maybe rule that out. I think, like I said, people, you know, Miguel Cabrera right now maybe is based still, still based on the fact that he's going for 500 home runs, home runs and 3,000 hits. So maybe it's still Miggy. But no, people are most excited about Cade Cunningham. I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing, so before we get to Cade, who he is on the court, I love some of the stuff we've heard about Cade off the court. Um, what have you thought about that? Is it much to do about nothing in terms of him? You know, he just seems to be fully um, embracing the city of Detroit, the culture of Detroit. He wants to take this on and be a figure. And I, I personally think that's meaningful. Do you think that's meaningful or it doesn't really matter? Bryce, listen to me. I listened to him the other day on Sirius XM NBA radio. He was being interviewed by Oh, geez. Um, Mike Yam was the guy's name. And Mike did a really good job of the interview. Cade Cunningham listening to him driving on the road. And I'm not going to close my eyes because I want to stay alive and not get into a car crash. But you close your eyes for a second and you listen to him talk and you go, oh, my gosh, he sounds like Chauncey Billups. He talks just like Chauncey Billups. Leadership. Uh, very, very you know, just just very confident in what he's saying. Uh, he sucks you in. You know, I don't want to bash Evan Mobley, but Evan Mobley's boring. All right, I listened to Evan Mo- The Evan Mobley interview was a dud. Kid didn't say anything. He was, oh, yeah, I'm just happy to be here. And you know, it was kind of boring. Cade, he, you listen and you're, you're, you're into it. And I was impressed. He sounds like Chauncey Billups. And we know what kind of a leader he was. He was the 2004... NBA Finals MVP and and brought a championship, helped bring a championship here. So, yeah, I, I think the way that this kid is built and, and, and how he was raised and how excited he is to be here and uh, the responsibility he already has as a as a young father. We saw his daughter on the screen on Thursday night on the uh, on the draft show. I, I, he's impressive. So that that there is some cachet to that. I mean, you're not going to see him play until next month in the summer league. So you go by what these guys say and how they uh, handle themselves off the floor. Then you watch his highlights or go on YouTube and you realize, well, this this kid's the, 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 the total package. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. So I think one thing you said there about him drawing people in is something I think is is really important. I think it's something that, that really sticks because that's one thing I've said about him. He seems to have a, a personality that has a magnetism. And you talk about that in a locker room and getting guys to galvanize around you and be a leader. You, you use that as well. So I think that's huge for the Pistons and something that they really need. Oh, I don't think there's any question about it. And I think that they have excellent leadership at the very top with Troy Weaver and his staff, and then Dwayne Casey. The players love playing for him. He's he's a known commodity as a head coach. Here's somebody that looked up and said he easily could have, you know, let his contract run out or say, ah, I didn't sign up for this as a rebuild, yet he's still here and signed on for more years. He's an excellent leader and somebody that the young players, you know, listen to. And now you throw, like you said, Cade Cunningham in the mix, who is, you know, the, the best player in the Big 12 as a freshman last year, the number one pick seems to just carry that cachet with him and it's gonna be a lot of fun seeing how this team develops next year and and mixes some of the young guys that were really good pieces a year ago like Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bay, Jeremy Grant in with Cade Cunningham um it'll be exciting yeah absolutely so let's get to Cade Cunningham the player and I saw you quote uh you know tweet out a quote from 
uh, Troy Weaver comparing his basketball IQ to Larry Bird. For me, that's that's very very high praise. What did you think whenever whenever you saw that? Yeah, no, it was last night. It, yeah, it was Thursday night. It was right after the uh, the pick, and and they uh, they made Troy available. And um, you know, I don't I don't hop on a lot of those zooms, but for a night like last night, I really wanted to and wanted to. Um, you know, kind of listen and, and hear what he had to say about making the selection. And he kind of was like, listen, I know it might not be a popular thing to say around here because it's Pistons and obviously the Celtics uh, rivalry, but he started comparing him to Larry Bird and talked about his love for Bird and how he thinks Larry's a top five player, but a top five thinker and, and just his mind and basketball sense. And to say that about Cade Cunningham, because I'm sure you've heard this, Bryce, people have said, well, Maybe the Pistons should draft Jalen Green. He's much more athletic. Kate's not the most athletic guy. And the Pistons have needed wing athletes really for the last, it's been a while. They've needed that guy on the wing that maybe could take a couple of dribbles and dunk it home. You know, Sadiq Bey is not the most athletic guy. Isaiah Stewart is not. You know, Jeremy Grant was more of a high riser about four or five years ago. And if you recall the, the tip dunk he had at Boston College when he was at Syracuse as a freshman, you know, but they're not ultra athletic team per se. But now you got to have three and D guys. You got to have guys that can defend on the wing, but can shoot the three. And Cade does everything. Um, but comparing him to Bird, that's that's high praise, man. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's that. That was. One of the, I mean, there's certain comparisons you can make when you're talking about individual skills. And in my opinion, basketball IQ is a skill of some sort, at least. Um, and like to me, that like you say, that's very high praise, especially when you're talking about that specific attribute of a basketball player comparing it to Larry Bird, the, the basketball IQ. Because I think that's one of those things. I know for me, growing up, that's one thing I always heard about Larry Bird was his basketball IQ, how smart of a player he was. And I'm glad you brought up the athleticism with Cade Cunningham. I don't know how you feel, but I feel like this has got overblown. Just because he's not an elite athlete doesn't mean he's the worst athlete. Like people all of a sudden have turned him into a a negative athlete. Like he can't move, he can't jump. And there's also practical athleticism on the floor that that needs to be taken into account. When we watched the finals uh, this past year or this past summer, um... Who are the three best players on the floor? Giannis, Devin Booker, and Chris Middleton. Are Devin Booker and Chris Middleton high-flyer athlete types? No. You know what they do? They win. They're winning players. Devin Booker, can he can hit shots from all over the floor. He's an excellent shooter. And now he's put together... Um, you know, more physically, and he can put the ball on the floor. But he's not dunking over people like Vince Carter used to or Tayshawn when he was here. Same goes for Chris Middleton. Middleton's just a smooth cat on the floor that can really shoot it. And that's where this game's going. I, it's very simple to say, oh, he jumps out of the gym. Or there was a kid last night from Texas. Uh, uh, that got, uh, or Jericho Sims. Sims. Got taken late in the second round by the Sixers, I believe. And everybody goes, oh, Jericho Sims can do a chin-up on the rim. And his, his, he hit his eyebrow on the rim one time. It's amazing. Great. Kid can't shoot free throws. I've watched Texas play. They used to hack him on purpose. He can't shoot free throws. So it's like, you still got to be able to shoot, you know. And Cade just does everything well. So he's not, you know, uh, grabbing quarters off the top of the backboard. So what? 
Well, and I think especially whenever he's 6'8", with his length, again, his basketball IQ, not to keep going back to it, his cachet, I love that word. Um, I, I, that, that, I'm going to steal that word, Matt, if that's okay, whenever talking about that attribute of Cade. You know, I, I think at last night I used the word magnetism, but cachet sounds way, way better. So I'm going to start using that, and I'll try to make sure I give you props oh, for that. Oh, you don't have to do that. It's not, it's not, it's not my word, but... Uh... If you ever if you ever say the term old bit, just give me credit for that. Just be, you know, if you ever go, oh gosh, you know, like there, there's this guy on Twitter. He's a friend of mine. I, I'm not gonna tell you his real name because he's got an alias on Twitter. But John, if you look up John McLean on Twitter, he and he's a big Michigan fan and and very knows very uh, a ton about the NBA. But he's always been on Sadiq Bay's case, and I and even was tweeting back and forth with Dennis Fithian and myself. Uh, on Friday morning about Sadiq, about Isaiah Livers might take Sadiq Bay's minutes. That's an old bit. Like, come on, man. Give Sadiq a little love. He had a, he had a great first year. Sadiq did, and we don't have to get into all of that. But with, because, well, yeah, we won't get it. We don't have time to get into all that. But you're right. Sadiq did have a great, I, I, let's, I know we're here for Cade, but I, I, I do want to get to some of the other stuff because there was other things that happened last night. I know second round picks aren't the sexiest, but let's talk about the Plumlee trade. Did that surprise you that, that Mason Plumlee got moved? And especially in the trade that he got moved for, like to actually move down 20 spots. Well, it's obvious. I think Troy Weaver is, is, is creating some cap space. Uh, I think Mason Plumlee at times last year was a very valuable piece on a very young team to have a veteran big man to help Isaiah Stewart to kind of Grab, grab a key rebound. Uh, you know, save a possession with an offensive rebound, uh, and he did all he could last year to help the team. And certainly a very down year and a, and a first year of a rebuild. So uh, Charlotte, you know, to me is probably a, a step ahead of the Pistons right now. Maybe they wanted Plumlee as, as an uh, you know, as a more valuable piece on a team that I think the Hornets feel as a playoff team next year. I don't know if the Pistons are just yet. Um, but no, nothing surprised me with Troy Weaver. He is going to continue to churn this roster until he's got what he wants. And you knew once he made that move last night that he was going to be drafting a big man in the second round. And he did that with Luka Garza. Now, is Luka Garza as good a player right now in the NBA as Mason Plumley? No. Is he more skilled offensively? Sure. Um, but I think another move's coming. Uh, there will be a big in free agency or in a trade. That's my guess is that another Another five or somebody like that is is on the horizon that maybe Troy wants, and he found a taker for for Plumlee, and so no, no, nothing with Troy surprises me. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Yeah, it's, I think I said this when you look on the surface, it's like oh, they they had to get rid of they had to give drop twenty spots in the second round to trade away Mason Plumlee, but it also opened up eight million dollars in the cap. It created an eight million dollar trade exemption. So like. On the like, you have to look a little deeper, and like you said, can we really judge it? What if we return? You know, this opens us up to get a, a five man we all love. Well, then nobody's going to care that we dropped twenty spots in the second round to get rid of Mason Plumley. And I haven't always been Mason Plumley's biggest fan. I, I like to joke a little bit. I'm not necessarily a huge Duke fan in general, but like you said, Mason Plumley was a quality big last year. But I, I love that Troy Weaver. I, I feel like he has ultimate confidence in himself, his staff, their evaluation, his relationships, and he's going to go and do and get the players he wants. And I love that we have a GM that does that. Yeah. And look, if this continues in three years and it's a constant roster churn, then then I think people can question that. And you look at wins and losses. Um, But he knows what he's doing. I think he signed Plumlee to a pretty good contract last year. It wasn't a five-year deal. It wasn't for 15 mil a year like some of these guys are getting. 
It was a very affordable, I think it was three at 24 or whatever it was. And, um, you know, so he's mixing and matching and seeing what, what, what's there. there. There will be other moves coming. Uh, the, the Garza pick, I, to be quite honest, I know everybody knows who he is because around here, most folks follow Big Ten basketball, and that's about it. This isn't exactly a college basketball hotbed for knowledge. Um, so people know who he is and go, oh, great, Luca Garza, that guy was dominant. I worry about Luca Garza guarding people at the next level. I, I have no idea who he's going to defend in the at the NBA level. I watched him have issues in the pick and roll in the Big Ten. So that's my concern there. Um, but I get why they brought him in. He's a winning player. He was, my gosh, they retired his number before he even left school. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, that's what I don't know how to feel about him. I I think he's a very polarizing player. So for a second round pick, it obviously blew Pistons Twitter up last night. Some people think it's a great pick. Some people are like, oh my gosh, we just wasted a a pick. And right, it's a late it's a late second round. You know, exactly. Bryce. And we're not sitting here talking about uh, or Bryce. It's not. It's, we're not talking about a guy that was taken at thirty or thirty five. I mean, he was taken what in the fifties for late forties. Yeah. So I mean, everybody second round is a real crapshoot. But hey. Uh, Troy used Saban Lee last year as a se- or drafted Saban Lee as a second rounder last year, and that kid has has a chance. Yeah, and that's what he Troy didn't play around at the top. You know, he he drafted the best player. We got Cade Cunningham. So then we're really going to judge what he does in the second round. Like to me, it just it, it's it's a little much. Luca Garza as a player, he does intrigue me just because the offensive skill set is there. I think I believe he shot forty percent from three this last year. Um, I'd like to. I'm going to do a film breakdown on him and coming out soon. And I, I want to see if he has a little more passing to his game because he didn't average a lot of assists at Iowa, and there was some good shooters around him. But obviously, defensively, you just have to find a way to hide him or, or him not just get completely exposed. And I'm not sure if that's possible. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that uh, with with the development that the, the first of all, and I and I've I've mentioned this on the Pistons Pod at Pistons.com plenty of times. The player development staff is very good on Dwayne Casey's staff, meaning those guys that sit in the second and third rows of the chairs that are working with the players before the game, uh, at the facility, late at night, early in the morning. There's some really good player development coaches on that staff, and the guys have gotten better. There are some staffs in the NBA that have some player development coaches that aren't very good, that don't work these guys hard enough, that, that don't have the trust of some of the players. Um, you know, when Chad Forsier, who's a, been a longtime NBA assistant coach and a good friend of mine, was with the Pistons and, and Rick Carlisle, and Chad's gone on to San Antonio and Milwaukee and other places, he's with the Bucks now as just an assistant coach. When he was a player development coach, I used to watch how he worked with players. He would go in, in, in cabs with guys like Reggie Miller at four in the afternoon to the arena when you don't have to be there till five, even three thirty, and shoot. Those are the those are the player development guys that 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 that, that really help uh, up the ante for wins with organizations. And so I think a guy like Garza, when he gets in this development situation, then Rob Murphy running the G League team now, the Motor City Crews, I think it'll be a good situation for a kid like that. Yeah, that's and that's. I don't think I hope people listen to what you just said, Matt, and like appreciate that because there I've I've talked to draft guys where like 
oh, I don't think this would be a very spot for good spot for, say, Scotty Barnes or Jonathan Kaminga because the development staff with that NBA team probably isn't going to develop them. So I, I hope all Pistons fans listening to what you just said take a lot of pride and appreciate that we do have such a good development staff with the Detroit Pistons because as you alluded to, you know, not to knock any other organization, but not organization, all organizations have that. Right. I mean, there are plenty of plenty of uh, bad organizations or teams that have players that are young that they give up on. And then, you know, they go to another team and they're they're playing very, very well. There's also, you know, accountability rules, uh, everybody kind of uh, pulling on the same rope there. And, you know, uh, I have friends back home in Cleveland that, that are lamenting the Kevin Porter situation and that, oh, my God, he's in Houston now and he's blowing up. Well, yeah, he had some off-field, uh, off-court issues, and the Cavs did their best to try to work with him on those things. But, um, you know, usually very good organizations don't lose good players. They keep good players. Yep. So let, let's talk about another second-round pick, obviously a, a guy that played locally in college, Isaiah Livers. So he was the first pick at number 42, 6'7", six, 6'8", six, guy, shooter, over 40% from his career. Um, what, what do you know about Isaiah Livers, or what have you heard the quotes from people you've talked to um, about Isaiah Livers? He's a winner. You know, he's a, he's a, he is a piston. You know, when, when, when I had Troy on the podcast months ago on – we talk about when, when you're looking for players. I think it was around the trade deadline. He's like, we're looking for Pistons. And I kind of, you know, okay, so what does that mean? Well, hard work, leadership, uh, you know, good in the locker room, good in the community, but also talented. And Isaiah Livers fits that bill. You know, there's John Beeline. I'm assuming John was in the room last night helping out with the draft and, and, and had an ear for, for Troy Weaver, and uh, or at least Troy had an ear for John. And, you know, John recruited him and, uh, you know, Michigan kid that, you know, just won, just was on winning teams, whether it was Beeline or Jawan Howard. Um, and you saw Michigan struggle in the NCAA tournament when Livers went out with the foot injury. So uh, I see that as a great fit. I don't think he's, uh, again, another guy that might not be the most athletic, but he can shoot it, uh, defend a little bit, does a little bit, a little bit of everything. And I, I like that fit for the Pistons. You know, we've talked about a few things with each, all three of these guys that the Pistons drafted last night. And so you're talking about what is a Piston, you know, whenever Troy Weaver says that, but they're all winners. You know, I mean, Cade Cunningham took a squad that, uh, the if you've listened to this before, you know I don't like to, to say this, but not the most talented squad and, and, you know, took them to a top 10, 15 team in the country. Luca Garza winner, Isaiah Livers winner, you just talked about it. And then those guys are all great shooters. All three of those guys shot over 40% from three. So I'm very, whether they end up playing a lot of minutes or not, you can kind of see, again, I love that we can see a vision from Troy Weaver. That's one of the things that excites me the most, gives me the most hope, is you can see the, the vision from Troy Weaver and his staff and the Pistons organization. You know, it's funny. You know who Isaiah Livers reminds me of is Sadiq Bay. <laughs> they play, you know, they're, they're tough, hard-nosed, strong. Um, you, know, you look, Sadiq Bey had an NBA body when he came into the league. Isaiah Livers is an older player. He's been around, uh, nearly went to the NBA a year ago. So, But he's built. You know, he's not this slender guy that's going to need to get in the weight room. He's, he's NBA body ready right now. Yeah, I, I love it. And so let's uh, – we, we, so we also drafted Balsa Kaparuveka. Man, I should have practiced that more before we started. 
Um, I don't know. I didn't even know you were going to go there. Uh, And and, and we don't have to, Matt. Uh, You know, a lot of talk about draft and stash. I just wanted to mention these guys. 7'1", 240-pounder out of Florida State. Um, I got to do some more research before I can talk any more, you know, talk a lot about him because I'll be honest, I haven't, didn't have him on my radar. And then also Chris Smith has been an undrafted free agent. He tore his ACL at UCLA last year, only played eight games. Again, another guy I need to do some more research on. So we don't have to get... I will say this about Chris Smith. Um, you know, if that's a two-way contract or a, yeah, whatever, I think that's what I saw. Two-way. You know that, that that kid that kid can really play. He was UCLA's best player in the in the preseason last year, and then obviously the injury and you know Ju Zhang and those other guys stepped up and got all the way to the finals, um, but um, into the uh, final four. But that's a nice little you know uh, G League addition. Um, and the big kid from Florida State, again, Troy likes bigs. He, he wants to win on the backboard. So that doesn't surprise me either that, that they took a, a project big guy. Yeah, and that's what – so uh, the, just a little bit I've been able to do this morning talking out to the draft guys I know and have met, they like Chris Smith. So uh, that's – I love to hear that you um, kind of feel the same way. And, you know, I had ACL injuries of my own when I was in college, so I know that that can take a little bit of time to come back from. And so it'll be interesting to see if he comes back. But I'm sure he has a great, you know, training staff and rehab and program and everything. So it's another enticing prospect to add in, in kind of that 3-4 range, you know, a, a small forward, um, just a wing, I guess, between him, Livers, and then the guys all, all the, already on the roster I think it's really um, it's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out yeah yeah I think uh, you know when you get to one in the morning and the second round's done it's a free-for-all to try to get players in you know Philly Philly signed Aaron Henry out of Michigan State to a two-way deal oh my gosh it must have been 30 seconds after the draft was over um, so there's there's players or team players that teams target right away and get and then you see how they play in the summer league, and and some of them stick, some of them don't, and then, you know, that's that's where your your talent evaluators um, really take over, and, and the scouts go to the other G League games or uh, the the summer league games and watch, and sometimes it's luck, sometimes it's it's really good scouting, and right now I think the Pistons have done a great job in identifying players recently and and bringing them in, and and uh, you know Hamadou Diallo, another guy that Troy had in Oklahoma City and brought here that a lot of other teams didn't think was an NBA player or, or, or NBA regular. And that could be a, a nice underrated piece that the Pistons have. Yeah, the, the two guys I really am excited about and interested to see, hopefully they both return. But I really like Hami Diallo and I really like Frank Jackson. I don't know how you feel about Frank Jackson. Um, I know we've extended the qualifying offers to both of those players. I assume Frank will return. I don't know if he'll get a lot of outside attention. Um, James Edwards, the third from The Athletic, came on and, and alluded to the fact that maybe a, a team or two in the NBA like Hami and may you know extend an offer to him. But I really like those two. I'm interested to see what happens with their contracts and um, uh, hoping both you know stay Detroit Pistons. Yeah, they're young players. Jackson so highly regarded out of Duke when he first came out. Been a bit of a disappointment. But again, give Dwayne Casey and his staff credit. They found a spot for him last year, utilized him well and his skill set well, and he shot the ball really well. Question now will be, can he do it for a full 82-game season now? You know, COVID hopefully behind us or close to it, and uh, we'll we'll see what kind of fit that is. So just to circle back to Cade before we move on, um, what are your kind of expectations for him? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ask you points per game, rebounds per game, assists. I'm I'm not asking that. Like, 
What, what, what do you hope to see, I guess, from Cade Cunningham next season? Like, is he, do you, do you think he's going to fall right into that, that leadership role we've talked a lot about at the beginning? Um, do you think he kind of eases into it? What, what do you want to see from Cade Cunningham next year? Or what do you expect to see from Cade Cunningham next year? Yeah, I mean, I, I would expect that he's going to be the team's second leading scorer after Jeremy Grant. Um, you know, assist-wise, you know, if he and Killian Hayes are out there a lot, you never know. Um, but I just, you, what you hope to see is that he makes the all-rookie team, that he is as advertised. Might might not necessarily have to be a star right away, but you see the potential, you see what's there. It translates into more wins. I, I'm not going to say this is a playoff team yet going into year two. And I know Troy Weaver and the, 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 the folks down at the facility are dying for wins. They want to win. They hate it losing the amount of games that they lost last year. But they did it right in terms of they lost, but they lost with dignity. They played hard. So now, you know, you, what you hope is that the kid makes the all-first-team rookie and that he he's really good and you see the potential and, and, and it helps bring fans back to the arena and there's and that he's, you know, a, a star in the making. That's, that's kind of the hope. Yeah, and that's – so I'll ask and see what you think about this – so he led the NCAA basketball in clutch scoring last year. I think that might be the biggest role, I guess, that I think he's going to fill. And I love Jeremy Grant. Go, don't get me wrong by any means, Matt. I love Jeremy Grant. I, I hope Jeremy Grant retires the Detroit Piston. I see a role for him moving forward for the rest of his career. I'm not sure he's that closer, that clutch bucket guy, go get his own late shot clock, late game clock. But I do think that's a, a role that Cade Cunningham can really fill. Um, do you see that? Do you think, you know, game on the line, end of the, the quarter, end of the game, um, ball in Cade Cunningham's hands and he's just going to go make a play? Uh, I don't think they drafted him number one not to be. You know, I think yes. Yes to all of that. Uh, now, whether it's every night and whether they're going 50 games, I, let's not go that far. But for sure. for sure, to have the ball in someone's hands who you know is confident, and the size, six eight with handles, he can shoot over people. You know, uh, not saying Jeremy Grant can't, but Jeremy spent the last couple of years of his Nuggets career standing in the corner. That's all you know. So then now you're, and he did go and get the ball last year. I remember the uh, the elbow jumper he hit against maybe it was Indiana, that kind of put a game away. It was Toronto, and it's like clutch shot. You know, put him up. I think they, they were up one. He hits a shot. Put him up three with like a .7 to go or whatever it was. Or maybe it was three to get to five. But he has that in him. But no, Cade Cunningham is special. And not saying Jeremy Grant's not very good, but to, to, to like you said, the clutch gene. And he played in the Big 12, man. And I asked Troy that last night on the, on the Zoom call. I mean, this... This kid played, in my opinion, the best college basketball conference there is. And I know some people listening to go, oh, Derry's hating on the Big Ten. Not at all. Big Ten was fantastic last year. But the Big 12 to me, when you had Oklahoma State, you have Oklahoma, you've got Kansas, who, oh my gosh, one of the greatest basketball college basketball programs there is. Baylor, which was just a freak show team of talent, um, you know. That's that that league is tough. There's good teams there. Iowa State is no slouch. Um, Oklahoma was solid. Yeah, yeah. So that's a good league, man. I I, I love watching Big Twelve hoops, and that's not uh, every night. That's a that's a tough tough grind.
Yeah, absolutely. And so to your point with Jeremy Grant, he, he, had, he again, he showed flashes and this was the first year he was really asked to do that. I feel like maybe in his career, we've, I've talked about that on the podcast before, you know, even playing at a big time high school uh, in college and then throughout his NBA career. I just think it kind of takes the pressure off him a little bit that he doesn't have to always be the guy to go make a one-on-one play when the set play breaks down or at the end of a shot clock, end of game. And so I just think it slides Jeremy Grant into a role that's really perfect for him. And uh, again, I, I just really like the more I thought about it, I love Cade Cunningham's fit. You know, everybody talked about Jalen Green's fit. He, he fits into the two guard spot and he's a scorer. But I think Cade Cunningham's just going to make everybody's life easier. And there's no better fit than that. By the way, I didn't even mention uh, Texas or Texas Tech. Remember <laughs> what Chris Beard did at Texas Tech was incredible. Then he moves over to Texas, take over for Shaka Smart, who left for Marquette, which is a head scratcher. But uh, those two teams, those, you know, and obviously the Big 12 looks like it's changing, but th- those are those are tough grinds. But I think you bring up all good points there, Bryce, uh, just about Cade, and it's it's going to be exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So real quick, and I know i, I got to get you out of here pretty quick, but I want to talk on the Lions just a little bit, but you brought up the, the Big 12 changing. So do you think the Big 10, so I know we're in, we're in Big 10 country here, do you think the Big 10 gets in on this and adds a KU-Iowa uh, State um, do you think that's going to play out? I don't know how, how closely you followed all of that. No, I, I mean, I do a little bit. I, 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 in, to me, and I'm a, I'm a basketball guy, uh, but I, you know, to me, if I'm the Big Ten, I, I'm chomping at the bit to get Kansas for basketball, but I also know football drives the bus. Yeah. So Kansas football is, a, is an embarrassment. So embarrassment, yes. um, I don't know about how all that's going to work. It, it saddens me, but I think eventually we're just going to have the, as far as the big four, you know, the power four, it's, I think the Big 12 will eventually evaporate and it's going to turn into, you know, if you're taking Oklahoma and Texas out of there, what are you, what are you really going to do? I, I, I would assume that some of those schools would move some to the ACC, some to the SEC, some to the Big Ten, some to the Pac-12. Uh, but it, it, it's sad because, like I said, I, you know, my brother went to Kansas as a huge Jayhawk alum and supporter. And uh, to me, Big Monday when it used to be Big East at seven and the Big Twelve at nine, or even even back in the days of the Big Eight, there was nothing better. And uh, some of that's going away, which makes me sad. But I sound like an old guy now, I'm talking about so, my the old Big East days, bro. Like it was, <laughs> you have. I mean, how old are you? I'm 34. No, oh, well, okay, but I mean, you, the Big East back in the day, it was yep. just the for basketball was just the best, the best. So I'm sorry, I know we're getting off talk about. Have, so have you ever have you ever been to Allen Fieldhouse? Have you ever watched a game? Yeah, um, it's a, it's incredible, right? It's, oh yeah, I, I did a game. You know, my brother really busted my my chops about it. I never went to a game with him in the stands. Um, I just couldn't, and then because he's three years younger than me, but then I did the uh, University of Detroit Mercy. We played, when I was the voice of the Titans, we played Kansas non-conference one year, and uh, uh, I got to interview Bill Self for pregame, and he's awesome. And, uh, yeah, I got to see the whole, you know, the newspaper bit when they introduced the other team, and then the waving of the wheat, and then the rock chalk chant, and then the sun gleaming through the windows there. Uh, that that that's that that's as good a college basketball experience, and I've been a, I've been in a lot of good ones. You know, I was at Cameron, I've seen a game at Duke, I've seen a game at Kansas. Uh, Oklahoma State was a lot, was a great place to be. Um, 
But man, I don't, it's hard to top. It's hard to top KU, that's for sure. Yeah, so I, I had the opportunity that I played at American University in Washington, D.C. They played at KU a few years after I graduated. So me and my, my now wife and my parents and my sister, we got to sit right behind the American bench. So we sat pretty much courtside. And of, co- of course, American got blown out, but that wasn't the point. You know, like we got to sit right there whenever the, the video comes on pregame. Like those college basketball experiences, whether it's KU, I've never been to like Duke or North Carolina or anything like that, but uh, it's hard to top those things. It is. It is. But, uh, yeah, it's a great spot. American uh, Jeff Jones. Did you play for Jeff Jones? Oh, yeah. that's what, Yeah, Coach Jones and I talked last night, actually. So. Oh, nice. All right. There you go. He's, a, he's an old Dominion. So. A, lot of, a lot of famous alums there. Uh, David Aldridge, uh, yep. Stoney. Yep. Lo- yep, lo- so- locally, Mike Stone, he loves his uh, he loves his American Eagles. Yeah, so David Aldridge was on early on in the in the days of the podcast, and I'm I'm hoping to get him on here in a month or so. I, I reached out, and him and I talk every once in a while. He he can, he would come out and watch games and all that. So uh, I know David a little bit. So yeah, so. All right, let's get to the Detroit Lions just a little bit here before I let you go, if that's okay, Matt, if you have just a, a few minutes. Okay, so obviously a lot of an offseason, Dan Campbell, draft Panay Sewell, you know, uh, Stafford trade. What, what was this offseason like for the Lions, and what's kind of the outlook um, for the upcoming season? Well, as you know, I host this daily podcast, Locked on Lions. The, yes, my sir. numbers have never been higher for listenership. And this even goes back to the days of Jim Caldwell. So I started doing the show in 2016. So this will be my sixth season doing the show where we're on after every game. And then we do pods Monday through Thursday. But the listenership is way up. I think fans are back. Uh, they hated Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia. Uh, they were very turned off by the organization. Uh, you know, then, then you know, then the Calvin stuff, and it, it got real negative, and, and people gave up. And now people are back on board. Um, not saying everybody's on the Dan Campbell Express, thinking they're going to go ten and ten and seven this year, or eleven and six, or anything like that. But people are excited. It's a brand new regime. It's new people. Brad Holmes is from the outside. Dan Campbell's from the outside, albeit he does have Detroit ties, but. There's still there's still some Rod Woods and types lingering around, but I think folks are into it. They're excited, and it's a new quarterback. And whether you're a Stafford fan or not, just a fresh body under center makes things a little bit more entertaining and exciting and, and intriguing. We've seen what Matthew Stafford can do here. He did some very good things. But 12 years, no playoff wins, like, bye, you know, see ya. And, 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 and he'll do well with the Rams, and there's some national people that think he's the second coming of, uh, of Jesus. We'll see. Uh, I'm interested in seeing how this whole golf thing looks. The receiving core is really bad, and that's going to be a problem. Uh, the defense can't be much worse, but I'm at least intrigued and excited to see what this brand of Lions football is going to look like. Yeah, so that's what, like, I'll be honest, like, I, I like football. I watch football every Sunday. I was just kind of looking through the roster, and that uh, if there was a, on the offensive side, the receiving core, just looking at it as an outsider looked a little bit, I don't want to say worrisome, but, you know, didn't, is, you just brought it up. Is it not very good right now? Is, is there going to be another addition somewhere? I know free, free agency is pretty much over. We're into training camp now. But does that worry you? Um... How do you mean? Well, I don't. 
Say it again. I, I, you kind of cut out a little bit, but repeat that if you don't mind. Okay, yeah. So, like, just the receiving core in general, are you worried about that? Um, I mean, you have Brashad Perryman, Tyrell Williams, Hawkinson, obviously, at tight end. But, but is that – I don't want to say a weak spot. I don't want to say it that way, but is it an area of concern? It is. Oh, it absolutely is. Uh, when you have Jared Goff and you've got a pretty good offensive line, you think you're building a nice running game with Jamal Williams uh, adding with DeAndre Swift and – and Jamar Jefferson, their seventh round pick, they're high on. The lot, again, the running game can't get any worse, but we say that every year. But really, you have to have receivers that can get open, that separate, that can stretch the field, and the Lions just don't have that. You're talking about Marvin Jones, gone. Kenny Galladay, gone. Amendola, gone. Jamal Agnew, gone. And you're bringing back basically Quintez Cephas and some guys you picked up. I mean, Tyrell Williams is fine. I'm not a Brashad Perriman fan. Uh, they waited to take a receiver later in the in the draft. I think Amon Ross St. Brown will be good, but he's not a burner. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough because there'll be some times where Goff on a third and eight is gonna have to get you eight yards. And uh, are those guys gonna get open for him? Defenses will key in on T.J. Hawkinson. There's gonna be some some chain adjustments that T.J. is gonna have to make because I think teams are gonna put two guys on him. Can he split a double team? Can he make a catch over two defenders? He's a pretty good player. But now he's going to be the focal, excuse me, the focal point of this offense. Yeah, so that's what, like I said, just looking at what, so what I've just read and seen, it sounds like this is an organization now that's building inside out. Do you agree with that? Do you think they've done a good job in the trenches with the yeah, offensive and defensive line, I, though? I do, I do. I really like the offensive line. I think there's some depth there, too. And then defensively, they love Aleem McNeil, the third-round pick. Uh, and, and he's probably going to start at nose tackle. They've built a nice defensive line. The question is, is Trey Flowers going to earn that $18 million a year? Is Romeo Quara going to earn that $13 million a year and have a, and, and jump start and, and, and piggyback off a 10-sack season last year? Or is it going to go down to six and he's the guy we saw in 2020? Um, but I like the depth that they have on that D-line. I'm hopeful that Flowers, the two old Quaras, Brockers can get to the quarterback because for the last few years, other teams' QBs have just picked the Lions apart. Some of it's scheme. Don't get me wrong. Some of it was scheme. But they've had all day to throw. Let's, let's get back to getting in the quarterback's face and making him make a tough play and, and, and making a tough throw and, um, with, with some, under some duress. And the Lions have not had that in a while. Absolutely. So that's, I have to bring up, Matt, because I did listen to your Locked on Lions and or do – um, from time to time, and I caught the episode where you kind of went in on the L.A. Rams, and I just have to ask, like, <laughs> it, is is this not crazy that Matthew Stafford became a much better quarterback after he left Detroit somehow? Like, like to, to me, that narrative seems real. Like, nobody talked about him in the way they do now that he's in with the Rams. Oh, my gosh. It just, you know, look, I get it. Guys like Dan Orlovsky, who are friends with Stafford, that's one thing. I'm, I'm used to hearing that from Dan. He was his teammate and a very good friend, but you know, you're right. When we're just talking about some some of the national talking heads, and uh, I forgot the guy's name on Good Morning Football, not Nate Burleson, but one of the others was just like, "Hey, can they go 13 and four? And can they do they go to the Super Bowl? And is he a is he a top three quarter, a top five? Come on now, Matt Stafford's a good player. No one's saying he's not, but he's not great. He's not great. Now maybe he'll become great under McVay and getting a chance to play on a team with Aaron Donald and. And that defense and some of the receivers there and, and the tight end depth that they have, possibly there's a chance. You know, Whitworth's a Pro Bowl guard, a tackle, maybe. But to sit here and say he's going to bypass, uh, you know, the likes of, uh, uh, you know, 
Josh Allen uh, or or or, or Tannehill. Those guys have won playoff games. You know, I'm not saying he's going to be Mahomes, Rodgers, or Brady, but let's pump the brakes a little bit. Can you move into the top ten? Sure. But to sit here and say, is he a top five quarterback? Is he going to take them to the Super Bowl? You know, he's, he, he went to the playoffs with the Lions. It's not like every Lions team went two and 14. He was on three playoff teams. And he should have been on four. But in Schwartz's last year, he was horrible the last three or four games. And they went from seven and five to seven and nine. So I just think we need to pump the brakes a little bit on this top five talk and Super Bowl talk. That's all. Yeah, that's and that that was my thing. It's just like all of a sudden he changes team and becomes a better quarterback. I just and I know there's nuance to that. There's the the system and the players around him and all that, but it just seems like it skyrocketed skyrocketed right away. I just I sat here. I hope Jared Goff is just big time this year. I know he's kind of split. You know, Lions fans aren't sure what to think about him. Some like it, some don't. I hope he has a really good year and and. Uh, and I guess we'll see. But so I know I need to get you out of here, Matt. I really, really appreciate you coming on. Oh, you got it. Recording with me. I just want to give you a chance here. Let, let the listeners know. I, I'm sure they already do. But your social media, where they can find all of your content. Um, well, first of all, uh, Bryce, it was a great talking to you. Uh, and um, I appreciate you offering. And uh, I'm, I'm going to start following you more here. Uh, so yeah, Twitter at Derry D E R Y speaks. Uh, there's a Matt Derry Facebook fan page where I post the Locked On Lions show every day and the Pistons Pod, um, you know, at, at Pistons.com. And uh, I'll be on Saturday morning on uh, 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland doing an eight to noon filling in. I do some filling work there, um, and then uh, we do a podcast uh, at, at my nine to five job. My my day, every day is I'm the business development, marketing, and recruiting coordinator for a company called Financial Architects, and we talk to business owners and uh, people like in the professional world outside of sports um, and our podcast, which you can find at uh, financialarcharch.com or, um, and you'll just go to the Insights page and you'll see that there are the Empowering Futures Podcast Network. So it's been fun doing a lot of different things. And uh, anytime you want me on, uh, Bryce, I appreciate it. Uh, all the best to you as well. And uh, this the Pistons thing will be exciting. Maybe we'll meet up at a game this year. Absolutely. I, I talked to my wife about it. We're going to summer league. I talked her into summer league by telling her she could. <laughs> I, she, oh come uh, on. She no. Is, she, she, oh my goodness. She gets to go hang out in Vegas with a friend, and I get to go to summer league. So that you're going. How about that? Yeah, for a few days, and then uh, I, I she she bought a Pistons shirt, and we're going to we're, we're we've already talked about it. we're going to fly out to a Pistons game this year and check that out. So. Um, it's all. It's yeah, all that's a keeper. On. You got to keep her, man. Yeah, she's yeah. willing to go to Vegas with you for summer league in the middle of summer when it's about 110 degrees out there. And <laughs> I didn't tell her how hot it was going to be and everything else. So <laughs> prepare, yeah. prepare her as well for when you're walking the streets of Vegas. You'll there, there's a there's an odor and a scent out there. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but. As things have become more legalized around this country, just prepare her for that. Prepare her for that. I will let her know. So thank you again, Matt. I really appreciate it. Uh, Guys, later this weekend, I'll drop an episode with Laz Jackson from Detroit Bad Boys. Uh, Middle next week, be on the lookout for an episode with CJ Marchesani, one of the best draft guys out there. And uh, Amario Sankofa from the Detroit Free Press is going to come on as well here in about a week or so. Thank you to everybody supporting and contributing to Motor City Hoops. You have no idea how much I appreciate it. Please continue to listen, and we'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Motor City Hoops podcast. Please give us a rating, drop a review, and subscribe. 
For more content, including video breakdowns, make sure you follow us at Motor City Hoops on Twitter. I hope you join us next episode. Until then, be safe and be well.